This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. We each of us uh, have a responsibility to build each other up. And sometimes that means helping each other rebuild and pointing to that foundation of, of Christ as our, our rock, as our, the place on which we stand, the place where we build our lives. That's uh, the topic of our sermon this morning, the last sermon in our, on our series. We're wrapping up this, uh, this great series this week. It's been, a, it's been fun to talk about this story from Jesus. Next week, we're going to start with a Christmas series. You can tell from decorations. Thank you all who, who gave your time uh, last week to set everything up for us. Uh, today, we're, we're going to come back to the story that Jesus told at the end of the Sermon on the Mount about, about two builders who each of them build a house. And these two builders represent all of those people who were present hearing the words of Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount. As he wrapped up that sermon, he, he said, for those of you who hear my words and do what I say, you're like a wise builder who found a, a foundation of rock dug deep and, and set the foundation there. And he built his house. And when the storms came, wind, rain, rising waters, that house stood firm. The other builder, this foolish builder, represents those of you who, who hear the words of Jesus and, and don't let them make any kind of impact on your life. You, you don't do what they say. Like a foolish builder who went to the sand and built his house. A foundation that wasn't firm and secure, shifting. And when the storms of life came and the wind blew against that house and the rain fell and the waters rose, that house came crashing down. Now that story had a point and Jesus was being very specific with the audience to say, you need to hear me and you need to do what I'm saying. And he ended, ended that story to confront them with, with that to help, help them understand what they should do walking away from that, that story. And we've been talking about this for several weeks now. And so I'm starting to wonder, what happened to that guy afterwards? This, this poor man who's, who's sitting on the beach, sobbing into his hands next, next to a pile of rubble. What happened to that guy? Did his neighbors come over? Step into his life and pick him up? help him to, to begin the process of rebuilding a house? Did, did they encourage him to move, <laughs> to, to find some rock, to find a better foundation where he could build his house so that it wouldn't fall down again? What about, what about the, the wise builder? Do you think that he built his house in a place where he could see the foolish builder? constructing his house on sand. Do you think that they, they talked a little bit in the process of building their houses? They went, went to get the same kind of materials and started comparing notes about the construction of their homes, started talking about the, the number of rooms, the, the foundation, what, what they hoped would, would be the outcome of all their work. And then from his house on the rock, do you think this wise builder looked and saw this other man, his life devastated, what, what might he have done in that moment? Would he have approached this man, offered him a place to stay while he was rebuilding? Would he have maybe pitched in to help out? Would he have worked as, as diligently on a, 
on someone else's house as he had worked on his own house. You see, I'm, I'm thinking about these details that don't exist. Wondering, because I'm thinking about what would I do in that situation. What would you do in that situation? When you encounter someone who has experienced the loss, whose life is collapsing because of some of the decisions that they've made, how do you respond? Do you, do you walk up and, and you say, well, you know, you've made your decisions. Uh, you know, I could help you out, but I'd have to, you know, impose my beliefs on you and talk to you about the, you know, faith. And you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to leave you as you are. Or do we, do we walk up to someone that we realize has, has real needs and say, let me, let me help you get back on your feet. Let me help you rebuild. Can I suggest a better foundation? Can I suggest you, you orient your life on something more secure than it was so that when you experience storms, they're going to come. When, when you experience the storms of life, you can, you can be confident that the foundation that you build your life on will, will support you, that, that you'll find strength and stability there instead of fear of your house falling down around you. You know, if a neighbor living next door to me had trouble with their house after a storm, if, if it was a bad storm and we went out and happened to be out at the same time looking to see if shingles had blown off or if any siding had come loose, if I realized that my neighbor had a, a physical problem with their house, I would, I would be really quick to jump in and help them fix the problem. I don't know a whole lot about that stuff, but I would, I would certainly assist in the process of rebuilding, of repairing any damage that was there. But isn't it strange how when we encounter a neighbor with a personal problem or a spiritual problem, we're a little bit reluctant sometimes to impose on them. Even though the, the help that we have to offer, even though the advice that we could give would be much more beneficial to their lives, there's this hesitancy sometimes in the world today to talk about those kinds of things because people want to believe what they believe and have you believe what you want to believe and not have you impose your beliefs on them. And yet we see the results, the consequences of decisions playing out all the time. And, and it's would do so much good in the lives of people to point them to the Lord. This last week, we each had an opportunity to, to encounter other people around the table. And most of you probably shared a meal with family, friends. Maybe you met a few people for the first time that uh, were, were coming to share a meal with your family. Maybe you, you were reuniting with, with relatives you, you haven't seen in an entire year. And, and you spent time catching up and talking about the events of life and, and what the things you expect to, to be coming in the near future. And just, just shared together. Maybe, maybe your meal together was a time of encouragement, gratitude. You walked away satisfied. Because the food was good and the conversation was good and you, those, those relationships were encouraging. Maybe as you got ready to sit down at the table to eat, you were painfully aware that the walls of your own life have been 
cracking, crumbling, because your foundation isn't what it should be. And as you were eating, you, you were hiding some things about yourself. As you were, were talking with others, you're spinning some of the details of your life. So they sound a little better than what you know they are. Maybe you had, a, you had a good meal and a good conversation, but you walked away from the table feeling like you missed an, an opportunity to, to care for, to encourage. You missed an opportunity to, to help rebuild in the life of someone that you know or care about. And, and you walked away with some regrets about not taking that opportunity, not, not helping build up that, that person. It's important for us as we interact with others to recognize the way God positions us in life, the way he, he sets up encounters for us so that we can be present at the right moment to help people realize what it is that he sees in them, to help people realize the potential that he's placed there, to help people make wise decisions and point their lives to the Lord. We turn to scripture this morning, we begin reading in, in Ephesians chapter 4, this letter that Paul wrote to the church there in Ephesus. And what I, what I want to focus on is, is Paul's encouragement to the believers about how they interact together, about the way, the way God calls us, as we read these words, to work for the good of others, to build them up and draw them into the Lord. We're going to be beginning in verse 22 of chapter 4. If you have a Bible and you want to read along with me, uh, you can open up there now. The words will be on the screen behind me. They already are. Or you can use the YouVersion app. If you open up the app in your phone or tablet, search under events for Parkview Finley, you'll find scripture and sermon notes in the YouVersion app as well. Let's begin reading together. You were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. See, what, what Paul's reminding us is that the evidence of our faith shows up in our interactions with other people. The way that we treat people is a representation of, of how much we have submitted to the transformational work of the Lord in our lives. How much we've allowed him to truly set that old self behind us. How much we've, we have surrendered that desire towards sin and turned our back on it so that we could be made new in him. True righteousness and holiness. Reflection of his love and mercy and grace in our lives. And as we're made new, if we truly are 
submitted to that process. Our attitudes will be different. Our minds will begin working differently. Our words will be different than they were before. They'll fulfill a greater purpose. They'll bear the love of God into the lives of other people as we speak to them. Every day we have opportunity. Every day the Lord presents to us interactions with other people, conversations that come up, exchanges, encounters that happen, even when we aren't expecting them to be there. And Paul's encouragement to us through his letter to the believers in Ephesus is that we would recognize what it is that God is doing through us and that we wouldn't let any opportunity pass us by. But we would would make the most of those opportunities. That we would take the opportunities that come, each and every one of them, to build others up. To be constructive. See, there there are times in our lives where we feel this creative ingenuity to build things. There are other times when we have these urges to to tear things down. Maybe you've seen this in, in... in kids when they play. If you've ever been around a group of toddlers in one of our kids' rooms or at the park outdoors, you've seen kids playing together. Never fails, one of those toddlers will be building. There's always a builder in the group. Finding blocks, Legos, making a tower, stacking up something taller than than they are. If they're outdoors, they'll pick up rocks and start stacking them. It doesn't matter what's available. They want to build. There's this, this creative element to put things together. There's also a kid in the group, never fails, that wants to walk by and kick down all the buildings that people are making. They will go so far as to dive into the structures to make sure they knock everything down. You, you know that kid. Maybe you were that kid. Anybody, anybody a, a knocker-downer of buildings? Yeah. Sometimes, they're not always the same kid. You can, have, you can have a kid who one day is knocking over structures, and the next day, the very next day, is building things. So there's this tension that exists within each of us. These desires battling. And it's not just when we were kids. They're present in our lives today. We love the creative ingenuity of building. We love what it, what it, what it feels like to care for others and, and build them up, to help them see their potential, to help them become better, stronger, closer to the Lord. There's, there's such value in working in the lives of people and, and walking together toward the Lord with them. God bless you. But inside each of us, there's also this desire to tear things down. Sometimes that comes spilling out. Sometimes it's sarcasm. Sometimes It's insults. Sometimes we just harass people and give them a hard time because we think it's funny. And what we don't realize is that we're wounding them again and again and again with our words, tearing them down in ways that we may never be able to repair. Instead of indulging in those destructive tendencies, we we could be so much more productive if we work together to, to build ourselves into the house of God, the temple of God, where his presence dwells among us, that we would work productively cooperatively to be the people that God is calling us to be. And in order for us to do that, we have to allow him to work, to allow him to keep working, to put off the old self, to set it aside and turn our backs and move into this new self 
that he is creating us to be in his image in true righteousness and holiness. And what Paul says is there's a, there's, there's a series of things that we have to allow him to do. First is to put off falsehood, to refuse to be deceitful when we interact with one another, to refuse to, to spin the, the truth, to twist it, to refuse to be deceptive in our interactions, but instead to, to speak truthfully, to be upfront with people, forthright, genuine, real. He says we need to put off the habit of taking, of being a, a taker, consumer, and instead of, of stealing or taking from others, to do something productive with our hands, to have something that we can be generous with and, and learn about the value of generosity and hospitality, of blessing other people and giving of ourselves. He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't fall to that desire to, to be critical, to harp on people, to be sarcastic and, and cutting with your remarks, tearing people down instead. Build others up according to their needs. Care enough to consider the needs of the people that you're talking to. Care enough to consider the words they need to hear. To give them a boost. To encourage them to grow. To help them draw closer to the Lord. And in our relationships, we need to grow stronger together. Have you ever looked closely at a Lego? I know you have, but let me just point out a couple of things that are obvious. Legos are made to stick together. They have connective components built in. They're integral. They're on the top of a Lego. They have studs. Depending on how big the, the, the plastic brick is, that's the number of studs that are on top. On the bottom of a, of a Lego brick is a receiver. And when you put those bricks together... They hold together. They interlock. And any structure you build with Legos is not easy to tear apart. Now, they're not indestructible. They're plastic. But dads, you know how hard it is to get the tiny Lego pieces apart when your kids put them together. And they say, can you get this apart? And you tear your nails to pieces, go to the toolbox and get a wrench, pliers to pull plastic pieces apart. They actually make a Lego uh, tool now. That's, that's a little uh, leveraged wrench that you can take the tiny pieces apart with. It's fantastic. I wish it was available, you know, 10 years ago when my kids were little. It's, it's available now. But Legos are made to be strong together because of these connective components that are present, that are built into them to hold them together. When you, when you build a house, you use these connective components to make sure that your house will remain standing. If, you, if you're laying brick, you use mortar between those bricks. As it, as it dries and hardens, it locks those bricks in place. When you use wood or metal, there are, there are nails, screws, specialty fasteners that hold everything where it should be, that provide stability and strength to what you're what you're putting together. If you refuse to use those connective components, guess what's going to happen to your house? It's going to fall down. These connective components are meant to hold everything together. And the, the strength of the building depends not only on the quality of the material that you have, it also depends on the integrity of the connective components that you use to hold everything together. 
If you can't find the right screw with the right nail, just use construction adhesive, liquid nails. <laughs> Spread it on, stick it. It, it works. It, it's part of that idea of holding things together. And we think about what that means for our relationships. And, and Paul points us to think about the significance of those connective components in our lives. And here's what he says. Get rid of those things that are pulling you apart. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage, anger, brawling, slander, and malice. All of those things that are, that are creating conflict and confrontation in your lives. Why are you holding on to them? Let them go. Put them behind you and move forward. Put on kindness. Be compassionate. And learn to live in this very difficult, uncomfortable place of forgiveness. Choose to forgive, even when people don't deserve it. Choose to live in grace, even when you don't like the idea of forgiving someone who's hurt you. Let go of your pride. Let go of. Your feelings. And live in the love and grace of the Lord. Be a benefit to the people around you. Choose kindness, compassion, forgiveness. And take every opportunity to live according to this purpose that you've been called. It's so different than the way you were living before. When we were so focused on our own desires, when we were so focused on, on selfishness and sinfulness, when we were, we were living for our own families and, and carving a path for our kids at the expense of others, when, when we were, were desperate to accomplish our desires, when we were avoiding at all costs those, those times and places where we felt uncomfortable and we found ourselves in this place where, where we've narrowed our field of view until there was only room for one as the object of our attention. That was the old way of life. Paul's saying, put that behind you and be made new. The problem is we, we have to deal with this selfishness, not just in our attitudes and our words and our interactions with others. We have to deal with this in our relationship with the Lord as well. And sometimes we have to overcome spiritual selfishness. We have to overcome this tendency that we have when we come to the Lord to accomplish what we want, to get from him what we think we need. And we develop a relationship with the Lord and we grow in him for one very specific purpose. And we spend time studying his word so that we can, can develop our own knowledge, so that we can increase ourselves and, and just, just grow selfishly in the Lord. Now, those things aren't bad. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. It, it is a great way to spend your time studying his word, growing in your relationship with the Lord. But if you stop there, that's where the problems come. You see, spiritual growth is a matter of developing our knowledge and understanding in the Lord so that he can bring about change in us. As we develop in him, we grow closer to him. And, and what, what it is that grows in us is his love. And it's not just about growing in knowledge. It's about recognizing the people around us. When Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said these words to them. We know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. 
Those who think they know something, they don't know yet as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. You see, it's love that drives us to build our lives up together in the Lord. And the growth that takes place in our relationship with the Lord should produce that kind of change in us. Where, where as we're being made new in him, as our personal growth happens, it's not just the ultimate goal of our faith. It is the means by which we develop this love. Where we understand the Lord better, more deeply. And he begins developing his love in us. This love grows in us toward God as we understand him more, as we discover more about him, we discover how worthy he is of our love, how he has been loving us, how he has demonstrated his love for us through his care for creation, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that God so loved you and he so loved me that he was willing to sacrifice. God so loved us, he was willing to send his son to endure the pain of the cross, to redeem us from sin and bring us back to him because God loves you so much. We discover as we grow in our understanding of who God is and the way he works, how deep his love is for us and how worthy he is for us to return that love to him. And what we find that the love of God is a selfless love. And our understanding of his love points us to go beyond that exercise in increasing our knowledge to develop an understanding of, of how he works in the world around us, how he works through us to demonstrate his love to the people around us. And that love takes hold of us and becomes a part of us. And, and it helps us to expand our focus instead of thinking just about me and what I want. We widen our view to see the world around us, to see the people that God has placed there. And we begin to think about more beyond me. What was once self-focused becomes focused on others. Where we were arranging circumstances in our lives to fulfill our desires. Now we're looking out for what other people might need or want. Where we sought to avoid being uncomfortable. Now we're considering the place where other people are to ensure that they are comfortable enough to draw closer to the Lord. We're thinking beyond ourselves. And here's what we find as we grow. Here's what we find as God develops us in this way. We're being drawn toward maturity in him. We're being built up together in the Lord to grow closer to him, to be a better reflection of his love and grace in the world around us. And he's using love as the connective material that binds us together. As we're built up in him, he is binding us together with his love, providing the strength, the stability to hold our lives together, to keep our houses from crumbling down around us as we place our feet on the foundation of the rock, as we build our lives up in him, we're bound together by his love. And the strength of our faith, the strength of our relationships is not only dependent on the, the quality of our lives, the integrity that we have, it's also built on the strength of the stuff that holds us together. And we're blessed to be held together by the love of God. And we can depend on that connective stuff to make us stronger, to build us together. And know that there's a much greater, more significant, higher purpose to all of this than just pursuing our own needs and wants. That we can be used by God for his kingdom and for his glory. In the book of Jude, we read these words. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. 
they said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who will divide you, who follow mere natural instincts, who do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful. To those who doubt, save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Isn't it amazing how the words we read in scripture, written thousands of years ago, accurately describe the world we're living in today. In the last days, there will be scoffers pursuing their own desires, who will divide you. And when you face that kind of difficulty, when you encounter the storms of life, remain in the love of God. Keep each other in the love of God. And be reminded of, of, of the value of the relationships that God has placed you in, that we are building each other up toward eternity. We are working together to remain in the love of God. And as we are built up together, we're reminded of the love of God through our interactions. We're reminded of how much God loves us because we are a reflection of that love and grace. As we choose kindness, compassion, and forgiveness, we reflect who he is in the lives of people. We're encouraged by each other to live according to his standards, to overcome our desires, to shrug off the ways of the world and submit to the standards of the word of God. As we express his kindness and forgiveness, we see God's love in action and we're reassured of the goodness of God, reminded as we come together how good he is, how worthy he is of our love and how important it is for us to choose a higher standard of living and demonstrate together the strength of integrity that binds us together in his love. As we build ourselves up together towards such a greater purpose, an eternal purpose, and submit to this process that the Lord draws us into him. And recognize also this purpose uh, that God uses us for the good of others to intervene in their lives, even at the lowest points, and point them to him, that we, he would use us to demonstrate his love to those who need to hear about him, that we would bring them to a better place where they can live their lives as we introduce them to Christ, that we can build the foundation and set their feet on him and find that same strength and stability and love that we have been living according to as we draw them in to him. Would you pray with me? God, we're so grateful for your love. And we're so grateful for the opportunity that you provide to us, God. I pray that you would help us to recognize the mission that you have for us each and every day, the opportunities that you place before us, the people that you have us encounter, that we would be prepared for those moments. In advance, we'd make decisions about the impact we'll have on their lives. 
that we would choose your love and kindness as the way we'll live our lives, that you would be able to use us to draw people into you. God, we're so grateful to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.